Welcome to the Bethany Community Church Sermon Podcast. This ministry is intended to inspire you and help bring solutions to the challenges of life. Today's message is titled, Move On, and it is part of the Move Sermon Series. For more information about other ministries here at Bethany Community Church, you can check us out at our website at bccma.org, or you can always send us an email at office at bccma.org. And now, here's Pastor Phil McCutcheon. Growth is painful. Change is painful. But nothing is as painful as staying stuck somewhere you don't belong. Today I'm going to talk about moving from where you are to where you belong. Don't exclude yourself because you're not unhappy or you're not miserable. The measure of your life is not whether you're happy or not, but whether you're not all that you could be, or whether you are all you could be, doing all you could do for yourself, for your family, and your community. So today I want to tell you three things about moving on. Number one, familiarity is not your friend. Number two, you are not a product of your decisions. I mean, you are a product of your decisions, I meant to say, not your circumstances. Number three, a Savior was born, suffered with rebels, and raised to lead you from your desert to your destiny. Amen? Joshua chapter 2, verse 1. We jump a little ahead of the story where the nation of Israel is getting ready to go from the desert to their destiny, from the wilderness to the promised land from the place where they had wandered for 40-plus years to the place that God had promised them, to the, from a place where they had no future, they had no hope, they would never own a piece of that real estate, they would never be able to build anything that would last, they would never do anything of significance until they crossed the River Jordan and they began to live in the Promised Land. I want you to know the promised land. You can call it Canaan. You can call it Palestine. Call it what you want. It is not heaven. It is your destiny as you live on this earth. Joshua chapter 2 verse 1. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab, bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, the men left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly, you may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. As soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Now this series is called Move. And today's message is about moving on. We're taking as a, as, as a context the nation of Israel. And then moving from the wilderness to the promised land. For some of you, it will be moving from addiction to freedom. For others of you, it will be moving from misery to joy. And 
For some of you will be moving from aimlessness, aimlessness to purpose, and for some of you will be moving from family conflict to family harmony. But for all of you, it will be moving you from where you are to where you belong. You ever uh, get ready to go somewhere? We've all, all of us who have a family have experienced this. Maybe it's something really cool like we're going to go to Six Flags. And we're going to take the whole family. So, you know how it is. You, you, you're a parent, you plan these trips. And as it gets closer, you, get, you start getting excited. Because you're, you're looking forward to getting away. You're looking forward to, to, you're looking forward to seeing your kids have a good time. And you, you get up early and you make breakfast or you, whatever, you don't, whatever you do, you get up early, right? Make it happen. Because you're, you're, you're especially, I don't know if women think this way, but men think this way. Is we want to get to the destination. And we want to leave on time. That's really important when you're a man. And you go downstairs. You're, you're, you're ready to go. And you go downstairs, and you guys are already ahead of me. You know what I'm going to say. That there's a member of your family still in their pajamas. And what do you say? Move! <laughs> I kind of think that's God who has a day planned for you, a life planned for you, a, a, a destiny, a, a ministry, something really significant for every one of you. And sometimes we're sitting around in our pajamas. And God is saying, it's time for you to move. For Israel, there was a piece of real estate called Canaan of the Promised Land that in the words of Scripture was flowing with milk and honey. Now, now I don't, I've never seen any, been to a town or a countryside where there was honey and milk flowing down the street. That, to me, would be weird. So he wasn't really saying that there would be milk and honey flowing down the trees or the streets or the, the lanes or the highways. He was saying it is a place where things flourish. It is a place where things grow. It, for, for you, the, the real estate is not physical real estate, but the real estate is in your soul. The promised land is in your soul. Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. The, the, the Bible says your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. The, the real estate that, that God, that you own, you already own it, remember? Now this is an important point. Israel's out there wandering in the desert for 40 years, but they own land across the other side of the river. It had already been given to them. God gave that land to Abraham they were owners, but they weren't possessors. And you, every one of us here today, we own things we don't possess. You own some land where faith grows. You own some land where calmness and, and peace grows. You, you own some land where joy grows. You own some land where freedom grows. You own some, you own some pieces of your soul that good things grow on. And this message is about moving to where things will grow in your life. Somebody say amen. Ephesians 2.9 says, For it was not the result of your own efforts, so you cannot brag about it. God has made us what we are. Well, that's a powerful phrase right there. 
God, what, God has made us what we are. This series and this message is about figuring out who you are. God has made us who we are in Christ Jesus. God made us to do good works, which God planned in advance for us to live our lives doing. God is looking at many of you right now saying, move. Somebody who really loves you. Really, this is true. Maybe your kids, maybe your spouse, and maybe your fellow church members, maybe your parents are thinking, I wish you would move. <laughs> you are here, but God's best for you is over here. How many of you know somebody right now, comes to your mind, that they're over here and you know God's best for him is over there? How many of you know somebody? Every one of us, almost everybody in this room knows somebody. Somebody immediately come to your mind that you would like to see them move from here to there. Not, not because you don't like them, but because you love them. Not because you don't want what's best for them, because you really, really do want what's best for them. Familiarity is not your friend. Twelve spies had gone into Canaan 40 years before and chose the known over the unknown. They said, no, we're afraid. They chose the familiar over the adventure. And that's what it is. If you don't get, we're going to preach a series on uh, stress next in October. But uh, if you don't get control of your anxiety in life, you will always choose familiar even though it's crappy. You will choose familiar over adventure. Have you noticed that anybody who tells their story, any of us who tell our story, somewhere in our story, the word family is going to come up. Everybody. Family, dad, mom, going to come up. Well, doesn't the word family and familiar sound kind of alike? Familial? Aren't these words that kind of are alike? And think of these, think of these Israelites they had spent 40 years, every one of those Israelites, see, all the, all, all, the, all the parents had died now, but these people had spent uh, 40 years as a generation. They had spent a generation with parents who failed. They had spent a generation with parents who settled with the wilderness rather than the promised land. They had spent their entire lives with parents who were underachievers. They had spent their entire lives with, with, with family that wasn't what it should have been. With family that was wandering around in a wilderness, going in circles. We're going to take a, a, a look at that in just a minute. And, and In fact, why don't you go ahead and put that graphic up there, guys. That graphic of the wilderness, because I thought it would be kind of cool for you to kind of think about where we are. They had spent 40 years wandering around, going from Goshen, and uh, they went down to Mount Sinai. See, they got a little religion, and, and some of you remember that. Your family, they, they took you to Mass or to church, and, and you, you learned about the, the laws of God. You, you, learned about, you learned about a frightening, terrifying God at Mount Sinai, 
And look at all those. There are three wildernesses. And I don't know. I bet there's a bunch of preaching in those three wildernesses. I bet there's, I bet there's a whole sermon. Three wildernesses. I don't know. But we'll talk about that later. They, look, look how much wandering around they did. For 40 years, they wandered around in that desert and in that wilderness, in those wildernesses before they got up to where they were supposed to be, which is up the top. No, notice notice it, was up, it, was, it was an upward climb. So they had spent 40 years with a family that was down here when God wanted them to be up here. You can't preach about change without preaching about family. I just came back from Atlanta. I started to say, I flew in from Atlanta last night, and boy, are my arms tired. (laughs) Some of you have never heard that joke. How many of you have never heard that joke? Can you... But uh, I love going down there and hanging out with my brother at a place called Safe House. Um, and uh, boy, for those, I know many of you have been there, and that, that, that ministry has really grown. It's just really good things are happening. But they minister to the homeless and the marginalized. And the place is just every day I would go down there, and it's just packed with homeless people. I, I got to attend Celebrate Recovery Woo! twice while I was there. I, I kind of helped lead it once, and, and, uh, and so they're doing great work. But, but my brother began to tell me they have, they have seen over 40 people this year get off the streets, full-time jobs, in their own apartment. Amen? And my brother was telling me, you know, one of the key people here is he pointed to a, a young lady there named uh, Takima. I kept calling her Tamika, but it's Takima. And, uh, you know, Takima is, uh, is not a Caucasian, right? You know that, right? Her name is Takima. And uh, so my brother told me she's been key in getting these people off the streets. Because what, what happens when people get, off to, get in the street, they lose their identity. They don't have a social security number. They don't have a birth certificate. They become non-people. And it's very hard. It's very hard for them to get back in society. It's very hard for them to get back where they belong. And, and, uh, and there's this real weird thing with the Social Security Department. You can't get a Social Security card without a birth certificate or a photo ID. Well, they don't have a photo ID, so it's, like, it's almost impossible. And, and Takima figured out if they went and got a TB test... They could take the results of the TB test, and they would give them a Social Security card. So she's sending all the homeless people to get TB test. And, and, and also, they, they also, she also figured out that if they would, they could, they could make them a member of Safe House. If they could do a photo ID, and they're a member of Safe House. Mary, you're, 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 you're <laughs> what? Yeah. And here's what, here's, what, here's what grabbed my attention. Uh, my brother said, Takima got a college degree while she was homeless. <laughs> and, and so I, got, I said, I want to talk to her. So I, I interviewed her for 20 minutes. I'm going to try to post the video, um, uh, maybe in the app for next week. I did, could, just couldn't get it done. Uh, I knew everybody here was killing themselves to get everything ready. So I didn't want to throw something else on them they had to do. And, uh, but but I, went, I interviewed her for almost 20 minutes and t- had her tell me her story. And she told the 
Same story, right? You know where it starts. Family. Family's all screwed up. Mother's a drug addict in New York City. She, get, get, she gets adopted by this other family, but she, she was stuck. She was stuck in her identity, you know, the abandonment by her parents, abandonment by her father, all the things, all the familiar story. So she gets into a very promiscuous lifestyle and just living on the streets, couch surfing, all of this thing. And she, she, gets, into a, she gets into a program uh, called Chelsea Foyer. She gets into this program that begins to help her to put her life together. And that's, it was during that period of time that she went to Plattsburgh State University and got her degree. And uh, she said, I said, well, how did God figure into all of this? And she said, let me tell you one story that captures how God, how I begin to, she didn't say it this way, but I'm thinking of this sermon. I'm thinking, she moved into this real estate called faith. You see, you see the children, now let me, let me make this point. The children of Israel, there were 12 tribes, and they're going to distribute the land. They didn't all live in the same place. They, Caleb, a guy named Caleb wanted this mountain. He said, give me this mountain. And I want you to think about that today. Because I don't want you to get in this series and just have some general, oh, I want to move to a better place. I want to be a better person. No. I want you to figure out the exact real estate that you need to claim. For some of you, you've never been happy in your life. you've, You've never been happy. I want you to get happy. I want you to choose happiness is where you're going to move. So, some of you have never been kind and, and just sweet and generous. And I want you to choose generosity and kindness as the mountain you're going to go live on. I, I want you to get really specific where you're going to move. And so, so anyway, she said, this little story will tell you everything about how God figured in. She got pregnant, and, uh, which was ha- what's what happens when you're promiscuous. And... Uh, She's got this little girl, and she gets a job, and she's going to work every day, and she's taking the child to, day, to, to child care. She walks into child care. She said, I walked into child care one week, and they said, you always, you, you've got to pay us three, $350 by Friday. And she said, I didn't have $350. She said, I didn't know what I was going to do. I got on the train. She said, I started to cry, and she said, I, I, I typed a, a prayer out to God. That God would supply. They wanted the money by Friday, and I didn't have any money in my account. And she said, I got to my apartment, and she said, I really believe it was the Holy Spirit that said, check your child support account. She said, oh, there, no, no, there's nothing in there. I, I've been checking it every day, and there's never anything in there. And that voice, check your child support account, check your child support account. And she checked her child support account, and there was $375. In the account. She said, that's when I knew that God was going to take care of me. So it wasn't, and I loved her story because it wasn't about, oh, the government or the, this program or, the, or, or all prejudice has to be eradicated from society before I can, I can, I can have any upward mobility. And, and we want prejudice to be, we want systems to get better. But my friend, do you realize that that if God be for you, no one can be against you. I said, if God be for you, hallelujah. We have someone right in our church that has a great story as well. We have many, of course. But I ask uh, 
A few weeks ago, uh, we had this person I'm about to tell, talk to you about tell her story to our small group leaders. And I'm going to have her come later. Prop may not get it done in this series. You know, we're trying, I've got to figure out this whole timing thing. And, and uh, so I'm having to kind of move things along a little bit. But uh, uh, I asked her this week, her name, Colleen, everybody knows Colleen Hamill, right? And I asked Colleen, can I, can I tell a piece of your story in my sermon this morning? Because it's perfect for people, uh, and I know everybody doesn't have trauma. I understand that. Everybody, you know, probably 25%, you know, uh, have uh, 25% of any group has had some pretty serious abuse in their life. And then a lot of people haven't had serious abuse. So you have to apply this to your life. But um, I I asked Colleen, so I'm just going to, I had her write some things out for me. I'm just going to read a part of what Colleen wrote. And later on, when we'll bring her up here and she can tell you the story in more detail. She said, my earliest memory is that around age three, my mother and I being thrown down the stairs and knocking out my two front teeth. My bio father abused the entire family, but he had a special kind of abuse, abuse for me that started at age two and went on until I was seven. And I testified against him. I do not remember it, but I've seen the court documents to prove it. I do, however, clearly remember the other six men who abused me very clearly. She said, I left home at age 13 and lived on the streets. I slept in ditches, abandoned houses, and under, under the pier on the beach. I did what I needed just to survive. And sometimes that meant breaking the law and sometimes not moral. I partied a lot to erase the pain in my head and heart. And let's be honest, the party world was normal for me. Never knew anything else. I met Mark... When Shana was five months old, for those of you who don't know, Shana is on staff at our church, and her husband Shane's back there running the back of the house and running all the production here. And Shana runs our, helps run our crisis center, Compassion New England. I mean, I'm telling you, somebody's dependent on you getting better. Somebody's going to get better because you get better. That's why you... You see, you can handle anyhow if you have the correct why. I think, I think, that's, a, I think that's something Nietzsche said. If you, can have, if you have the right why, you can... So we don't spend enough time exploring the why. But there are people waiting on you to get better so they can get better. And so anyway, I went off there. Um, we got married when she was a year old. Then in 95, Mark got out of the service and we moved here. We lived with his parents... Mom's sitting right over here. We lived with his parents for the first four months we were here. His mother insisted I go to church. She has no clue how much I disliked her for that. (laughs) I was still carrying around my intolerance of any Christian because she had had the only Christianity she had been exposed to was a Bible-thumping Southern Baptist aunt, I believe it was, who who was kind of mean-spirited, it sounded like, with her Christianity. But God must have been doing something in me because I believe that my kids needed to be in church and I would be better off if I kept coming. I know it makes no sense. Then in 96, I had to have surgery. Uh, In 96, I had to have surgery that I needed to be put to sleep. I'd always believed that I would die in my sleep, so I started to panic. John Wiersma showed up. John's right over here. John Wiersma showed up and prayed with me. Did you know this story, John? John Wiersman prayed with me, so I accepted Jesus into my heart out of a fear of burning in hell. I thought it's better to be safe than sorry. (laughs) After that, I started coming to church because I wanted to. I truly did believe Jesus was real. I just didn't really trust him. 
After all, he was a man. Everybody kept saying, thinking about him like your father. And I kept thinking, yeah, that really doesn't work for me. But once again, God knew what I needed. He gave me Papa Matson, who showed me what a real father was supposed to be like. In addition to that, he gave me Nana Matson to help me because the mother I truly, to be the mother I truly wanted to be. And Nana's very tactful. She went up to her one day and said, your kids are monsters. I'm going to help you. <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry, Shana. <laughs> and because God knew that they would need it, he, he gave both of them tremendous amount of patience for me. They never gave up on me. Then God brought me to CR. Here I finally learned how to trust not only the people in my family and church family, but actually trust God. Psalms 28, 7, the Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exalts and with my song I give thanks to him. And I, and, and I wish we had more time for this story because that, that was a 20-year process. She did not move to Canaan, I, my opinion, until about five years ago. She accepted Christ, but she still was in the wilderness. And about five years ago, she got involved with Celebrate Recovery, and she moved to the promised land. And <laughs> Now I want you to hear this part. Now God has blessed me with so many friends and people I can trust. I would never have believed I would ever be truly a part of a church not just standing on the outskirts. Even my children can testify to the difference in me. I'm a pro at surviving, but God wants us to do more than simply survive. He wants us to thrive. And for me, that can only be done with Jesus. You're the rare person here today if you were raised to be the person you're meant to be. For some of us being kind, generous, caring, all of these things, We've never claimed, but today we're going to move, right? 1 Corinthians 2, 18, it is written, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him, but God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. <laughs> the Spirit searcheth all things. Secondly, you're a product of your decisions, not your circumstances. You weren't stuck in the wilderness just because your parents made some bad decisions. But if you stay there, it's your decision. Every Jew in Israel had parents, like I said earlier, who were failures and settlers for less than what God had intended. That was true of Tekema. That's true of Colleen. But one day they decided to move. You know, it's very easy to be possessed by an idea, a habit, an emotion, it's very easy to become possessed. Many, many people are possessed. When they, when they talk, you know it's not them talking. It's their pain talking, their hurt talking, their anger talking, their ideology, their political ideology talking. It's very easy to be possessed in life. But you have to move to be a possessor. I want you to stop being possessed and become a possessor. There's a big difference. Come talk to me. If you don't know the difference, come talk to me. I want to explain it to you. It's very natural to be possessed, and I, all these things. Your stuckness may not be as dramatic as the two people I've talked about, but it's there. Canaan was promised land. Canaan was the loveliest spot on earth to God and to Israel. Canaan was bought. The result of many sacrifices, many victories, Israel possessed Canaan long before they lived there. I don't know if the porches are in the service, but uh, Matt and Linda Porch, 
I own a piece of property near Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, I am praying that they just get, he, Matt just keeps getting promoted and so they can't move. But they go out every once in a while and they'll look at the property because they're going to build a house there someday. But they're not living there. Do they build a house on it? I want to give you a dream of the property you own in Jesus. I want to give you a dream of what you have in the Holy Spirit, what you have in God, what you have in the body of Christ, so you can plan the house you're going to build on it. Finally, a Savior was born, suffered with rebels, and raised to lead from your desert to your destiny. You know, the Hebrew name for Joshua is Yeshua. And it's the same word as Jesus. Joshua lived for 40 years and served those rebels who wouldn't go into the promised land. He suffered for their sin. Joshua is a picture of Jesus who suffered with rebels, paid the same price as they did, even though he didn't deserve it, but he didn't get bitter, and he stayed sweet. And he said, Father, forgive them. And it's critical for the understanding that you aren't moving from where you are to where you belong without a suffering, sacrificial, serving Savior. You're not going to move yourself. Elise is out at Hillsong Worship College and loving it, doing great. She got there. And many of you, I've talked to other parents who've experienced this, where your kids got into some type of housing situation at college that wasn't, wasn't very good. And it happens. We're trying to, trying to handle a lot of people. I'm not, I'm not saying anything critical of Hillsong or anything. But Elise got into a housing situation that just wasn't acceptable. And it was really bad. And um, Went and talked to the staff and First, they were just like, we'll pray and, you know, pray that God will make it better. And, you know, finally went again and uh, finally got an audience with the president. And when he saw pictures, he said, oh, my, we can't let you stay there. He said, you know, go back home. I'm going to think about what I'm going to do. The next morning, the president calls her up and says, I'm coming over with a truck to move you. He comes over the truck and moves her to a much better situation. You know, I thought about that. that that's, that's God. If you will go to God this morning and say, God, I don't like where I'm living. I don't want to live here anymore. I don't want to live in this kind of a marriage. I don't want to live in this kind of relationship with somebody I'm supposed to be intimate with. I don't, I don't want to live in this kind of in this kind of pain anymore, God himself will bring the moving truck over. And he will move you. It's not about standing up today and declaring, I'm worth it. No, you are, but it's more than that. It's about declaring Revelation 5.12, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. To receive power and wealth, and wisdom, and strength, and honor, and glory, and praise. I can move 
because some divine real estate has been purchased in my name by Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. It's been signed. The financing has been approved. And the moving date is now. Are you ready to move? How many of you are ready to move? Your kids are going to be so happy. <laughs> your, your friends are going to be so happy. Maybe the person, your employer, may be really happy. <laughs> God has a good, good, he's a, you know, I'm a good father, but he's a good, good father. <laughs> right now, what we're going to do, we're going to open up. We have communion here today. And this, this space here, we're going to turn this into an altar. The back of the room is going to be a place that you can visit. But don't be distracted. If you want to come and pray, come and pray. I'm going to pray a prayer for everybody who needs to come forward. Because some of you need, to, you, need, you, need to, you need to be able to tell the devil on Wednesday, I went forward on Sunday. You need to be able to tell him, I went down and took communion. And I sealed the deal that I'm moving. And so it's important for some of you to move out and come and pray. Maybe you need to want to pray for somebody. Maybe there's somebody in your life who you love dearly and they're not in a good place and you want to move them to a better place. And God, God, God can make you a Holy Ghost moving company for other people who need it. He can make you a Colleen and a Takima, a Joe McCutcheon. He can help you do that. And it's so much fun. It's awesome. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for those of us who need to move. For those of us who are stuck in a wilderness, who are stuck in a desert, and we're not flowing in the destiny that you've had. We're not in a place of flourishing. We're in a place of failing. Let us move today in the name of Jesus. Please come. Please come and receive communion.